Well, before I started at this youth ministry, I spent two weeks in a country that is not the United States. It was in Africa, and it was Uganda. I spent two weeks in Uganda, which is probably one of my favorite places in the whole world now. Uh, I only have a different country, my home country, the United States, to reference it to. But it's one of my favorite countries in the whole world because of how much they love Jesus and how much they're so happy and joyful to constantly be in relationship with people. Uh, we went, as part of like our missions that we were doing there, we went door-to-door evangelizing. And if you don't know what evangelism is, evangelism is sharing the gospel. There's different facets to it, but we went door-to-door evangelizing. And see, in America, that doesn't really work. Because when you door-to-door evangelize in America, they're like, uh, no, thank you, and shove the door right in your face. But in Uganda, they don't, not many people have doors. So you can just kind of walk up to their property and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Can I share something with you? And they're always reluctant to say yes. And another thing I realized, they're also very reluctant to say yes to Jesus Christ. And it was awesome. Uh, We talked to Muslims. We talked to uh, Catholics that, like, were very, very, like, religious and, like, just pushed back on everything we had to say. Catholicism there is very different than Catholicism here. Let me point that out. We also talked to a lot of people who just didn't believe in anything. In fact, one of the things that they believe in there is witchcraft. And they, a lot of people practice it. If they don't have a faith or a religion, they turn to witchcraft as their source to get them through life. And we don't see that a lot here in the United States. But one thing I did see on a consistent basis was this need for peace. No matter what, everyone there in Uganda, here in the United States, and most likely in the rest of the world, needs peace. They feel, they feel like they're out of control. They feel like they're anxious. Yet something I noticed as I talked to them, these people I would call my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, they're out of control, just like we are. I talked to one of, their pa- one of the pastors, um, and he's, he just said, what are some things we can pray for you when you go back? And I listed off some things. He's like, oh, no, no, no. We pray for the United States. And I was like, yeah, you should pray for the United States. We need it. How can I pray for you? He said, no one knows Jesus yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everyone seems like they say they know Jesus. No, they know Jesus. They know the name of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. It's one thing to say that I know of a person, but it's another to say I know and I'm committed in a relationship with that person. When we feel like we're out of control and we don't know the true source of peace, which is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, I guarantee you're going to always find a fake version of peace. I looked into some secular, um, what do you call it, philosophers, and I found some quotes about what they said peace was. Um, The Saga Guru, I think is how you say it, has this quote right here. Peace is not the highest goal in life. It is the most fundamental requirement. I don't even know what that means. It makes me anxious just trying to think about it. So good job giving me peace there. Uh, Buddha says this. Peace comes from within. 
do not seek it without. Yeah, last time I tried to, okay, go on to the next one. I don't, I don't, I don't mess with that. Um, next person, the great philosopher, Willie Hendricks. You know, like Purple Rain? Yeah. Um, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. I don't know what, that might make sense in your mind. That doesn't make sense in my mind. Uh, no matter what, secular philosophers, musicians, except Willie Hendricks is devout and deep and questionable in so many ways. Everyone's searching for peace. And I say that after coming from last week where we talked about such a depressing topic of anxiety. Did anyone leave just feeling so uplifted about how much anxiety your generation, my generation has, right? Yeah, no. I agree. Last week was super depressing. It just felt like, oh, wow, thanks. I already knew I had anxiety. Here's like so many more stats about it. And now we talk about how do we, how do we combat that? Jesus says, don't be worried. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I knew. I, maybe I shouldn't be worried if I want to combat anxiety. But what's the opposite of anxiety? I would argue it's peace. And so as we dive into the series title, Out of Control, we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. And now the Philippians, the church at Philippi, they were a church that was not really struggling with much. You see a lot of books in the Bible that are focused wholeheartedly on correcting the behaviors of a lot of the churches. You look at the church in Corinth, they were dealing with a lot of sexual immorality. You look at the church in Galatia or the book of Galatians, they're dealing with a lot of like believing in false doctrine and they're like, and Paul's like, hey bro, cut it out. Seriously, you're messed up. I didn't need to hear that, but you're messed up. Uh, just a lot of the books are focused on correction. And Paul's like, hey, you guys are actually doing really well. You're not struggling with much, but you need to know. Have joy. Because they were being dealt a lot of persecution from an area of people called Judaizers. And Judaizers were people that were super, super religious. They were Jews that were focused on having people live out Judaism by the letter of the law. Basically, if it said one thing, you had to do it or you weren't a true Jew. And imagine having to li live by a rule book and follow it exactly and perfectly. It doesn't really work out that way. You're going to fail. But these Judaizers are like, yeah, if you fail, I don't know what to tell you. So Paul is encouraging them to have joy. And his first few verses and the introduction, his welcoming in this letter, because this a lot of the books in the New Testament are letters to churches. They're not just letters that were stored away, but they were letters to actual people. He's saying, hey, I'm here for you. Me and Timothy, we got you, bro. Seek peace. Have it. And they're like, wow, thanks. I didn't need that. So let's read. And it says this in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. That's a lot to handle right there. But we have to break it down. I, through this whole entire sermon series, we are going to break stuff down. Because we have to understand what the Bible actually says. A lot of people read the Bible very poorly. Typically in America and Western culture, we tend to read the Bible for what can it do for us? What can I read out of the Bible today and pick and apply to my life and say, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. But I want that like you're making a Sunday or something like that. 
It's not how the Bible works. The Bible, you have to take all of it. Because God says, it's my word. I gave it to you. So we have to take all of it. And we're only looking at two verses today. In future weeks, we're going to look at more, so I'm not going to break it down this much. But he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And this is important to understand. If we say that I'm a follower of Jesus, that means I'm a servant of Jesus. And that might seem backwards. Last week I ended with a little story about how when, we're s- when we become not slaves to fear and sin anymore, we're not slaves. We're free. But if I'm a servant, does that make me free? No. But what does it mean to be a servant of Christ Jesus? Well, first and foremost, we have to address who these people are. Paul. Paul wrote the letter of Philippians. He also wrote like 13 other books of the Bible. So he's a prominent figure in the whole Bible. If you don't know who he is, his name used to be Saul in Acts 8 and then was changed to Paul in Acts 9 and 10. Um, Then there was his protege, Timothy. Timothy was a prominent figure in the church. He was, he has two letters, 1st and 2nd Timothy in the whole Bible, and he became a leader in the church. He actually founded the church in Philippi in Acts 16. So he's a very important figure. He's a leader. He's a servant of Christ Jesus. And so he uses this word servant. The other thing to note is Paul is an apostle. Paul is an apostle, but he used the word servant instead of apostle. He's saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not this authority figure. He uses that in his other books. He says, hey, you need to mess up. I'm an apostle. Listen to me. But he's like, no, I'm a servant. Here, listen to me. Uh, You see the difference? Yeah, me too. But he's saying he's a servant, and you all are also servants. If you claim that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're a servant. And to be a servant, that means I fall in humble submission to everything that Jesus asks me to do, which is what the whole Bible is. It's this big, long book that God has given to us to help us get closer to him and fall in humble submission to him. Humble submission to pursue holiness and to pursue the right things of God. But he knows we're not going to make it every single time. We're going to mess up. But as we humbly submit to him, we'll grow in a deeper relationship with him. We're all very similar to any other believer in the rest of the world, whether you're, they're a pastor or they're just a person that goes to church every Sunday. We are all supposed to be servants of Christ Jesus. It's submission and dependence on the Lord. It's submission saying, I'm going to put my will second. I'm going to bow down in submission to what you have to say, Lord. And it's realizing I need to depend and lean on him because I cannot do it on my own. When you get married, you have to submit to your partner. I have to submit to Olivia. She submits to me. That is not something that's like domineering and like you, you are lesser than I am. No, submission is, I love you, therefore I'm going to submit to your will. I'm going to submit to help you. I'm going to submit to come alongside you. I'm going to submit to the Lord Jesus and say, I'm going to sacrifice my body. I'm going to sacrifice every part of me in order to serve you. And don't just think that we're the only ones in this relationship with Jesus that submitted. No, Jesus submitted himself also to us. We're actually going to see that later in this letter to the Philippians, that Jesus submitted himself and became a servant even though he didn't have to. Because we know he's God in the flesh. 
yet he's like, I'm going to serve you because you need me. Therefore, why wouldn't we serve him back? If we truly say that we love him, then we need to serve him too. If we say we love Jesus but say, no, I'm going to do this instead, all you're doing and all you're saying is, no, I don't really love you that much. I don't really want anything to do with you. I just want you when it's convenient for me. I just want you, Jesus, when you can help me. Not when life's going great and, I s- and you say, I want to do that. So as servants, we have to bow down in humble submission and say, I'm serving you. It doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter if it costs me my reputation. It doesn't matter if it costs me a spot on the team, whatever it may be. If I'm saying I'm a follower of Jesus, that means I'm saying I'm a servant of him. And I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and serve him. No matter what the cost is. Jesus doesn't leave it up for question. When he talks to his disciples, when he talks to anybody who wants to follow him, he says, you need to sell it all and follow me. There's no maybe or in between. There's either do it all or don't do it at all. That's a hard thing to say yes to. And a lot of times, a lot of people just pause there like, yeah, Jesus sounds like a cool dude. He has some good things to say, but I don't really want all of it. Well, then he says, depart from me. I never knew you. But if you want something to do with me, if you want all to do with me, because I gave it all for you, I will gladly accept you anytime. If you want to be a servant, which is a lot. The next part of this verse, we're only halfway through verse 1. We're making great speed. To all the saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Overseers and deacons, you may have never heard this language before, but it is in the Bible as the leaders of the church. And he addresses all the people. He says, hey, all Philippi, all the people in this land, which are the people of a lot of people in Macedonia, which is an ancient city. I don't need to get into that. Then there's overseers and deacons. Overseers and deacons are equivalent to like pastors and people who serve in the church. And those are a lot of people like me. I fall into that category. A lot of these leaders also fall into that category. People that serve demand, or they deserve respect because they're helping you guys come closer to Jesus. We have amazing leaders here. I just want to call that out. We have amazing leaders who serve you guys so humbly. They give out like about three to four hours of their Sunday night because they want to serve you guys and they want to see you guys succeed in your relationship with Christ. They care for you. They want to walk alongside you. As I talk with them all, they're like, I want nothing else but to see these kids grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so, anyways, there's leaders in our life who want to help us seek peace because there's a lot of anxiety in the world. They want us to become holy and righteous in Christ. And what it means to be righteous and holy in Christ is to be made new by Jesus. When you accept Jesus, you become made new. And when you become made new, a lot of things called fruit come out of that. When you say yes to Jesus, I'm signing on the dotted line that I want everything to do with him, you become righteous and holy. You become saints. Saints are not just believers, but they're the people that say, I'm actually going to be a follower of Jesus. There's a difference between believing in Jesus, because I believe in Jesus. I believe that he rose from the grave three days later. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he did all these amazing things. 
So that's one thing to say, yeah, I believe in that. And there's another thing to say, I actually want to follow that. When I say, yes, I want to follow that, I'm a saint. I'm made new. I believe in him, and I trust in him. If I just believe that something exists, but I don't put my trust in it, that's just a belief that that happens or that, that it exists. When I say, I trust in that, I want that thing, whatever it may be, when I believe in that and trust in that, I put my whole faith in that. When we say, I put all my faith and trust in Jesus, I know he can make me renewed. I know that he can give me peace. I know that he can restore me because I'm broken and sinful. That's saying, I'm now a saint because I'm made new and I'm purified. I'm cleansed. And when you're a saint, fruits come with that. When you say yes to Jesus, he renews you. A lot of times we get in this practice of Christianity, especially in Western culture, where we say, yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then Jesus is going to love me. When really it's, I'm going to get purified by Jesus because only he can cleanse me. Only he can do the work there. Only he can say, yeah, you're made new. You're justified. You're not guilty anymore. I make you righteous. Then you say, I'm cleansed. I'm going to do things about this now. I'm going to serve Jesus. As a saint, I say, yeah, I'm going to serve him now. It's not because I do X, Y, and Z that he loves me. It's because he cleansed me. Therefore, I'm going to serve him back. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, what makes us purified and cleansed. It's a free gift of salvation that he offers us because of his overwhelming grace. Grace is not a gift that you have to work for. It's not something that I have to earn. When you work at a job, they're not saying, hey, here's your money. It's a gift. Now, now, now you have to work for it. Now that's a job. That's working towards something. When you go to a birthday party and it's your birthday party, you don't get gifts because you worked for it. And now you did this and you did this. You checked off all the boxes. Now you get your pre No, you get your presents because people love you and they want to give you gifts freely. At least I would hope so. If you don't, buy some mirth. That would be a good gift for someone. I don't know. Anyways, gifts are freely given. Grace as talked about in Ephesians 2, is a free gift. God's grace to you is you were a sinner, but he set you free. So freely, freely on your behalf. He paid the ultimate price for your grace, your freedom, your redemption. It's because he loves you so much that he gives it to you freely. You don't have to do anything for it, but he just asks that you serve him now. Because that life of service to God is way better than a life where you're working for everyone else's approval. No matter what side you choose, whether it's Jesus or not Jesus, you're working for something. Either, either you're working for the approval of the world, and I'm going to tell you right now, it seems really easy at first, but deep down inside, it's a lot of hard work. Because it's never-ending seeking approval. People are never going to be satisfied by what you do, I guarantee it. Even as I try to show love to my wife, as I show, try to show love to my friends, as I try to show love to people that are Christians around me, it's never going to be enough. Only the love of God is enough. 
and he gave it to you so freely. And he asked you to serve him afterwards, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you serve a God who loves you so much that he gave up his only son for you? You don't need to seek approval for that. You just need to seek him, and he'll give it to you freely. And there's the other part, peace. In the commentary that I was reading, it said, a reference not to the cessation of hostilities between sinners and God, but to the inner assurance and tranquility that God ministers to the hearts of believers and that keeps them spiritually confident and content even in the midst of turmoil. Now those are big words. But peace is something that helps give us assurance, a hope, that everything that's going on inside my head right now that's super loud and obnoxious and annoying, it's going to be quieted down. The sins of the world, everything that's going against you right now, it's going to be quieted down by the Father who loves you so much. And it's all from God. It's not from the world from the one triune God, from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who make up one God who loved you so much that they sent their only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And that's why they sent Paul and Timothy to the Philippians. See, nothing's going wrong. Like, nothing's, like, going terribly wrong. They're not doing anything awful. But there's still some anxiety going on. There's still some things that are out of control, and they still realize we need peace. We need grace. We need God to forgive us of our sins because we're never going to be good enough. Therefore, we need help to do that. And so I ask you tonight, what are you seeking? Are you seeking the true Jesus of the Bible who says, you don't have to work for it. All you have to ask is for peace. All you have to ask is for him. Because true Jesus equals true peace. The fake Jesus, the one made up by American culture, you have to work super, super hard for it. If you're not good enough, just keep on working. Whatever you do to work for it, he'll just bless you with all the things you ever wanted. And then you'll get fake peace. And fake peace is something that lasts for just a little bit of time. But then it's, nope, work harder. Nope, work harder. Nope, get in a relationship with that person. Get in a relationship with that person. Work harder, work harder, work harder. When Jesus is saying, nope, 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 just seek me. Seek grace. Because grace is freely given. 